What's up, family? Welcome to another episode of The Foundation. This week, we sit down with software developer Agbai Iroha as he shares with us tools he used to develop his foundation and some tools that we can use to develop our foundation in the software developing industry. The interview begins with a background of Agba's childhood in which he talks about his early years of his life, which actually included a move from Nigeria to America. Agba then discusses his college experience as a Division I football player and how he got interested in software engineering in college. The last segment of the interview includes Agba explaining how he uses skills in the software engineering field to create his very own mobile app, Mixer, which is an app used for events throughout the entertainment industry. The, con- the concept of adaptability was very prevalent throughout Agba's story, from him having to adapt to a new country early in his life, to adapting to position changes during his football career, and finally taking those skills that he's learned and adapting them to his work now. Agba even extends his existence to any listeners interested in learning more about software, developing, how to create apps or websites, etc. All right, family, we're on another episode of the podcast of the Foundation, where this time we got Agbai Eroa. Agbai is a coder. Um, he's actually originally from Nigeria, right? Yeah. Uh, he's actually originally from Nigeria, moved over to Union, New Jersey when he was young. Um, I met Agbai playing football in college um and now he's actually working for a company um called what's the company again site tracker site track um where he does a bunch of coding and stuff and pretty much what agba is gonna come on the show uh to to give you guys is a a foundation and building something in a, a unique field um and this field is a technology field so um, this is a field that I think a lot more people should be uh, looking into, especially with, um, you know, everything pretty much moving digital, moving remotely, moving online. Um, so I think, you know, from talking to Agby, we can take uh, a lot of nuggets, um, a lot of tools from his journey um, and apply them to us. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce Agby. How you doing today, Agby? I'm doing good. How you doing, Bunch? All right, man. Um, I'm doing good, too. So kind of just tell, um, you know, let's kind of just start with, like, your childhood, right? Because you got a unique story. You weren't originally born in America. So just talk about, you know, your early years. Yeah, so like you mentioned, I was born in Nigeria. I was born in Lagos, Nigeria. Um, So I actually lived in Lagos, Nigeria for four years, and then... My father, he applied for the visa lottery, you know, filled out some paperwork, sent it all the way to like Kentucky or something like that. And out of like hundreds of thousands of applicants, my dad actually won the visa lottery. Um, so you were four when your pops won the lottery to come to America? Yeah, I was four. My oldest sibling was 10. And then I, there's two in between us. So it's four of us. Um yeah, you know, and we weren't we weren't well off in Nigeria, so you went something like that, you know, hell yeah, you're gonna So was come it like to was it like the lottery like over here, like when we play the lottery 
you know, motherfuckers go to the store and play a number like then y'all might win a million dollars. Like, was that how it was? And y'all was like, yo, we actually won, we out of here type deal. Nah, nah, it's it's yeah, I mean it's pretty similar. Like my dad filled out the application and he just had OD faith. Like he was talking like he already won. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? And Ooh. then it was it was actually crazy because I was sick around the time and then I was telling my friends. Mind you, I don't even remember this, but my parents always tell me. I was telling my friends, I'm going to fly away real far, and you guys are never going to see me again. And I didn't get scared. Like, what is this What is this little dude talking about? He about to die? I didn't even know what I was talking about. But um, turns out I was, like, sort of prophesying my yeah. dad winning the thing. And then um, he ended up winning it, and we came. It was It's a family of six. We came with one, one suitcase. One suitcase, right. six, six people, one suitcase. On and, a plane. Um, we landed in February of 2000, freezing cold. Uh, we landed in, in uh, I think, LaGuardia. Um, but we stayed in Jersey City with my cousins for about three years prior to me moving to Union. Uh-huh. Um, so I spent oh, all so my life. Family over here when y'all came? Yeah, so we... We have a bunch of people in U.S., you know, from Nigeria, from 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 my dad's family, my, not really my mom's. Um, so we just stay with my dad's family uh, in a little apartment. It must have been 12 or 13 of us in a three-bedroom apartment in Jersey City. Yeah, so y'all stacked up in the bed, three at the head, three at the, you're at the foot, uh. Yeah, me and my big, I stay with my big cousins. My sister stay with, you know, his sisters. Yeah, so, so how was that kind of like adjusting to uh, life here? Like, what was, what would you say was the biggest adjustment you kind of saw, or the biggest dis- difference that you saw that you kind of had to adjust to when you came over? I would say for me, um, it wasn't really that crazy because, you know, I was so young coming yeah. up. But my siblings, you know, they... You know, people would tell them they talked funny, all this different type of stuff. But they they were always very, very brilliant, you know, in the classroom. And sometimes people didn't like that. I know some sometimes my sisters, they would get in the fights at school and yeah. stuff. So that I started school here, like from preschool. Like I, we start earlier in Nigeria. So I started going to classes, but I had to wait a year before I could go to preschool here. So I, I, I'm like. You know, I wouldn't call myself the black sheep in the family, but I spent most of my time here, you know. Uh, okay, so where most of your siblings, they all grew up in Africa. Pretty and, much. And you grew up over here. Right. So it's kind of like a difference in the way y'all, do you think it's a difference in the way y'all act or or like no. are? Not really? No, not really. Nah, because nah, I was thinking that too. It, it should really be one. But so, all right, so y'all came here, y'all. You, uh, you know, you moved to Union um, right when y'all first came. So then, then what happens? Uh, yeah, then regular kid, you know, sometimes I'm good, sometimes I'm bad, getting in trouble in school and stuff. And um, in fifth grade, my, one of my closest friends, he was telling me how fun football practice was for them. So, you know, I didn't, we never played football in Nigeria. So I asked my parents, can I play? And they were like, no way. You know, they made me wait till eighth grade. It was until eighth grade before I, you know, signed up for my first uh, team. And well, we played pickup games. And, you know, I used to go crazy on the grass, just 
Yeah. Uh, you know, kill a man, throw the ball up, hit somebody, run away. Uh-huh. And then my, my boys, they telling me like, yo, when you get on, football, on the football field, it's not going to be like this. You're going to have equipment, this and that. And then, you know, I signed up that first year, eighth grade, and it was like even more fun than yeah. without the equipment. You know, now I got protection. I'm running into people, you know, I'm running people over. Um, and then the, the following year, they actually put me on varsity, me and two other guys uh, as freshmen. And then... Um, ninth grade, because that's a big thing, right? Going mm-hmm. into ninth grade. Yeah, 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 and, and and especially Union, like Union is big on the football tradition. So uh, there was there was a lot of talk. Like people, people's parents, they were upset that you know me and my two guys, uh, Jamari and Jabri, were playing varsity. Like they wanted their sons, but yeah. you know, you know, you don't. They're not gonna hand nothing to you. You know, we earned it. I didn't start to the last four games. Yeah, um, as a freshman. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was so. All right, so how was that coming in? You know, you playing a sport you never really played. Um, if you were a freshman, this would be your second year, right? If eighth grade mm-hmm. was first year. So this is your second year playing a sport. Um, and you are good enough to be a varsity where it's like dudes. It might be some dudes that play their whole career. And, you know, they still might not get a couple, like burn on varsity. So right. what was that? Like, did that kind of like boost your head up um you know as being so young and being that that big or like what kind of was going through your mind actually I was saying my head was really big after eighth grade well you know when I scored so many touchdowns you know I'm, I'm the best on the team and then but in union we had the middle school team and we had the pop warner team the rams so we actually had two teams that went like for the middle school team we only lost one game and the Rams, they went, they almost, I think they were like two games away from going to Florida. Um, so they had me, really good running back. And then they had my boy Jamari, the other, one of the other freshmen that played varsity. And, you know, I'm I'm going in thinking I'm the man. And then he ended up getting the running back spot and they moved me to safety. Oh, right. Yeah. So that was my first piece of humble pie. And then uh, they gave me a dookie face mask. You know, I wore number 46. So there goes two more things. <laughs> So and that was had, humbling right there. Yeah, getting humbled. But then the real humbling happened when, you know, in eighth grade, I'm bigger than everybody, running people over. And then we had the senior fullback slash middle linebacker, Everett Johnson. And first day of full pads, he ran me clean over and kept going. Like, they had to pour wood uh, on my face. Uh, and then um, <laughs> the next time I see him in the hole, I, like, moved out his way. And then – my head coach pulled me to the side. He said, uh, you know, if, if you want to move out of Everett's way, you can go play freshman football. Mm. Uh, if you want to stay on the team, I'm going to need you to try to tackle him every single time. Yeah. So the whole freshman camp, I was getting run over, run over. And then that's really when I stopped running my mouth, you know, <laughs> and just suiting up. So, yeah, I'd say by end of freshman year, uh, I had enough, you know, experience to not talk just – Play ball. <laughs> so that, yo, I think that's dope, though, because that's a, you know, that's a learning lesson, especially, you know, with these, uh, a lot of younger, uh, you know, athletes who are, you know, better in sports, you know, when mm-hmm. they get to that, that level, they kind of get that big head. So I think it was dope that you had to go through that, um, you know, that period of, you know, kind of get earning your lumps, you know, you thought you was the man. 
running back taken from you, you know, and then you getting ran over in practice. But it's like to still have the perseverance to stick with it, you know, is a is a, you know the the takeaway from that because you're like, damn, I'm still a freshman, and I'm still starting. So it's like, all right, so you freshman, you start and um, you go through high school. High school is is good, right? So you just start balling out all the way in high school, and then at the end of high school, you got all these schools looking for you, or what was the situation with that? So going into my senior year, I got approached by this guy named uh, Jeff Gallo uh, talking about this school named Monmouth, which I never heard of, you know, playing high school ball. You think you're going to Ohio State, one of those crazy (laughs) schools. So then Monmouth came and talked to me, said they would love to have me at their camp. So I uh, actually saw them at the Rutgers camp first, and then I went to their one-day camp, and then that was on a Sunday. Then the next day, Gallo called me and gave me the scholarship. Uh-huh. You know, I, I posted on Facebook, posted on uh, Instagram, and then I had went to a Delaware camp prior to that. So then I guess Delaware saw it and they offered me too. And then, uh, you know, it, it's so now it's my senior year. We we lost the state championship. I'm feeling down. I tell my coach, you know, I'm about to commit to Udell. Mm. And then my coach is like, they, they pulled the scholarship. So I had I had two. So now I have one, <laughs> you know, quick math. <laughs> so, that, so that made the decision easier. <laughs> and it, it actually turns out um, Gallo and uh, Coach Callahan were coming to my house uh, the following Monday. So they came, they thought they were going to have to like, you know, hype me up because this is the week leading up to my official visit. Uh-huh. And then I just, and my mom is like, please, my mom, nope, my, nobody even knows Delaware pulled it. My mom is like, please stay close to home, stay close to home. And then when Gallo and Cal came, I just committed. And then my dad, he brought out some wine. He had uh, Coach Cal and Gallo sipping uh, just some red wine, but it was like, it was a celebration, you know, and then yeah, that's how, how I ended up in my Was that moment like a... Like a big moment for your family, like um, that they knew you were going to college or something. Like, was that a big deal for you, for you guys? No, definitely. Cause um, if I didn't if I didn't go for free, I would have had to go to community for two at least two years, you know. Yeah. And then try to, cause we just didn't have the money for it, you know. So yeah, extremely blessed and grateful. So like, how was it? Cause you you came up with both your parents, right? Right, right, right. So do you think that that played a role? You think that was um, significant in your development, too, as a, as a man coming up? Um, do you feel like, you know, when you had both of those parents, that was more of a, uh, you know, thing? Or do you feel like it, it didn't really – you didn't really notice it too much? I mean, growing up, I probably didn't notice it. But now, like, interacting with people, you know, I know it's definitely a privilege growing up with both your parents in the crib because your dad, not only he teach you how to be a man, he teach you how to treat a woman, you know, and then you just got that love from your mom. So it's 100% a privilege and nobody should take it for granted when you grow up with both your parents in the house. So when I was younger, I didn't notice it, but now I, I definitely notice it. And like, did they kind of, so like college, was was college for you, like, senior year was, like, was college something that you knew was always going to happen, like, definitely, or was it, because, like, I know when I was 
um, when I was in high school, you know, college was like, you know, it'd be nice. You feel me? Like, you know, mm-hmm. something happened. It'll be nice, you know, but it wasn't, you know, for me, it was like, uh, I might get there, you know, but like, you know, I had kids in my, in my class, like, damn, I already went to, you know, this cut, this school, this school already. T-. And I'm like, whoa, hold up. Like, damn, son, I must be doing something wrong. So like, how was it? Was you like expecting that? For me, it was like I was playing with house money when I got the call. So I'm like, hey, I'm here. Duh. <laughs> I was expecting to go nowhere anyway. Baby. But like, how was it for you? Was it like an expectation? Like, yo, I'm going to college. Even if it's not going to be for football, it's going to be for something. Or like, how, how was that? So I just, I guess throughout high school, I was just trying to practice that same faith that I see my dad practice when he, got the visa lottery and I'm telling my parents, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go to college for free, you know, and they, you know, they didn't come to our games. They didn't really tune in. They just wanted me to read your books. That's one thing African parents always say is read your books. So college was definitely in the scope. We didn't know how I was going to pay for it, but Uh where, you know, even me, I have one degree and my dad is like, go get two because, you know, we hold education at a very high esteem so it's like bachelor's really ain't even enough in, in their eyes but my college was always in the scope it was just like how is it gonna happen but you know ended up happening all right so all right so you get um you commit to Monmouth so you come to Monmouth um what was what was coming into college like for you? Like so, all right, so you went to high school, you had that. Did you notice a huge difference? Um, did you notice any difference? Um, like how was that? I'll say college was actually more chill for me than high school in the beginning because it's like, you know, I, I get more free time. I don't gotta wake up at six thirty, you know, to get to class by seven thirty. You know, if I'm waking up that early for football you know, something that I love to do. So the free time and then with, like, the way Monmouth football was, like, how they held um, education, you know, to a high esteem, it's like you got to go to your uh, study hall hours and stuff. So that was really helping me just get to work. And then I had probably the most fun I ever had in my life my freshman year. You know, it was just a mad fun experience. You know, I didn't really leave the house. I'm, I mean, I, I don't really leave the house now, but, yeah. I was out and about <laughs> freshman year in college, you know. Yeah, man. So, like, um, I remember, I remember when you first came in, like your freshman year. I want to say, and the story that stuck out to me was like we was we had to be going through like a walkthrough, a last minute walkthrough or something. You know, one of those how we always have a billion walkthroughs. Right. Um, and I think I was tying my shoe inside there something with your sock or your shoe or something, bro. And bro, you gave me the most dirt, like, bro. I think you said it too, like, yo, don't don't be fucking around. Like I I was like, yo, I started cracking up, like, yo, this motherfucker is so shit, yo. But that was when I was like, yo. That was what I had. I, I, I have respect for you because I'm like, yeah, you said it in a polite way, but like, still, like, yo, bro, stop <laughs> fucking with me, dog. I'm not here to fuck around. And I was just thinking to fuck around. So, like, yeah. I thought that was dope. That and um, I remember one time I had offered you a drink or some shit. Um, and it was like one of the first weeks of school, and you was like, 
nah, I don't drink or smoke. And I was like, nah, for real, you ain't gonna just one seller. It's like, nah. And I was like, at that moment, I don't know if I told you, but like right then and there, I like I earned another level of respect for you because it was like, you know, it is easy for like motherfuckers, ah, man, it's a sip, this, that. You know, right. but you you like you stood strong on that. So that was one of the favorite favorite memories I had of you um from college. But uh like what would you say uh is the biggest takeaway you have from your time at mom, you know, being a student athlete, um and kinda, you know, learning and going through that process. What do you think was the biggest thing you took from the student athlete part of it? I'll say actually you, it might surprise you, but you actually taught me one of my best lessons uh, at Monmouth. You know, it was, I don't know what happened with Kles or something. And then you just told me, like, yo, don't let your highs get you too high or your lows get you too low. And that actually stuck with me uh, throughout uh, the rest of college. Um, you know, I had a I had a, a rough time my sophomore and junior year. You know, I... I at moment, I started the last four games freshman year, and then sophomore year, I had a terrible. Um, you know, I, we 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 had a new DB coach, and his first impression of me was, I didn't pass the one ten conditioning test, and not only did I not pass it, I think I only ran Georgia, right? The white guy. Yeah, Coach Lakatos. Yes, Coach Lakatos. And I, uh, I, I, not only did I not finish, I think I only ran six, and then I started getting like full body cramps. Mm. So, I'm that's what I'm trying to think is the reason, you know, why he, uh, you know, would speak to me the way he would or whatever it was. But you know, I ended up not playing a snap at defensive back my sophomore year, um, junior year. Uh, you know, they they moved me to nickel, and you know, I had a pretty good spring. Um, I killed the conditioning test, and then we had um, a transfer from Penn State, and you know he sort of just gave him, he gave him the position. You know, didn't really Black earn it. You know, there when the transfer from Penn State came. Yeah, this was my junior year. Yeah, okay. and then um, ended up I played I probably played ten snaps at nickel the whole season. Damn. Up, up until the last game of the season, you know that's when um. The, the 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 transfer wasn't playing that well and then Bo like just pulled him. I think he said something about Bo, Bo pulled him. And then I ended up going in and going crazy on uh, that game. You know, I had like a bunch of tackles, some TFLs. The last and game of the year. Last game of the year, junior year. This is uh Meach and Nell's last season. Uh-huh. Um and then going into spring, you know, some somebody I appreciate a lot in my uh Coach Kirk. He came to me. He was like, "How would you feel about playing linebacker?" And it was, you know, unorthodox, uh, but I feel like I was aggressive enough to do it. And then couple that with the way I was being treated in the deep defensive backside, I was like, "Hell yeah!" And then spring, you had a great spring at linebacker. Um, Coach Lack, he would start talking to me on the sideline about you know leading the defense and stuff. So that was like a change of pace. And then it came to my senior year last year and um, first game of the season, you know, I had like seven tackles, second quarter, just started. Uh, Then uh, I missed the tackle. I put my hand down to like brace my fall. And then Mike Basile came to clean it up 
and then he kicked, like kicked the back of my uh, elbow, uh-huh. dislocated elbow, uh, uh-huh. missed missed four seasons, I mean four games, not four seasons. And that last um, season, my last season, I missed four. The doctor told me I was going to miss six, but I told him, "No, nah, I'll be back." Yeah, you know, in less than six weeks, and then uh, finished the season with a brace. We had a historical season, you know, first uh, time making the playoffs at Monmouth. So that was pretty cool. We lost the championship down in Georgia, but that was probably my greatest season yeah. uh, of my yeah. career, like fun-wise, you know. Yeah. And I, I think that's dope, though, right, because that story comes from, you know, you having gone through that you know, those those struggles and um tribulations to where, you know, I think you play a good – did you play your freshman year? Freshman year, yeah. I, K. Buck got hurt, and then I started the last three games. I said four. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I felt like you was playing a lot your freshman year. So it was like to go from playing a lot and then to playing none and then to playing only that one snap that third year or that one game that third year. Um. I think that showed a lot. And then, you know, you go to switch a whole new position to go from, you know, you playing safety to go to play linebacker. Um, you know, I think that was crazy that, that you did that. Um, and then still, that was your best season. The season that you had to sit out four games um, <laughs> with, a, with a hurt elbow, um, you you called your, your best season. So I, I think that kind of stick speaks to, you know, your – your work ethic and stuff. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So when did you get into coding and when, when did coding kind of take, take your interest? So uh, growing up, I always wanted to be an engineer. You know, I would break stuff to figure out how it worked and stuff. So I, I, I just didn't know what type of engineer. And then I get the scholarship at Monmouth and they only offer one type of engineering, you know, so it's software engineering. So mm-hmm. by default, that's what I'm majoring in, you know. And first half, you know, was the prereqs. It wasn't that hard. First first half, like uh, first semester freshman year. Then second semester, we started coding. And, you know, the kids in my class, they did this stuff in high school. You know, they took the classes for coding. We didn't have that at Union. So what actually happened was after my professor, she would teach the lesson. I would immediately go to her office hours and have her reteach it to me, uh, Professor Jan Rohn. I appreciate her a lot. You know, she um, she would reteach the lesson to me over and over again, and slowly yeah. it started making more sense. And, you know, I, I would say I wasn't really, even by the time I graduated, I wasn't that confident of a developer. But now what has brought me confidence and really learned the most is just doing different projects, like, um, doing some stuff that'll help me learn new things, new skills, you know, stepping out of my comfort zone. Uh, I work for Sidetrack or 9to5, but I also have a, a company with two of my, uh, They we went to Mama together. We, we have a company called Mixer Events, and pretty much it's a mobile app for event professionals, you know. So they they did the whole mobile app side, and, you know, I wasn't really bringing much to the table. You know, I was bringing my my mindset, you know, my technical background, but they they always felt like there was something missing on Mixer. So actually I learned this new language uh, called React. You know, during this quarantine, I actually learned it. Um, it's called React. It, Facebook uh, 
Facebook developed it, you know, it's Facebook's development language. But if you go on, if you go online and you go on Twitter.com or you go on Instagram.com, you go on Facebook, of course, their sites are built in React. And React allows you to build web applications. And web apps, they just look like mobile apps, but it's on the website. You know what I'm saying? So that was a skill that I acquired. And I'm actually in the process of uh, building Mixer's web app. And we just want to use it. Because right now, you know, people, we allow people to request music at parties. Uh-huh. But it's like, you can't do it unless you download our app. So there was a disconnect there because people go to parties, they're not going to download an app, but they still want to request music. So what this web app is going to allow us to do is um, just allow people to scan the QR code and start requesting music, you know, interacting with the DJ. So uh, that's something dope that I... Yeah, I think that's pretty dope. So, all right, so go kind of, let's, let's rewind a little bit, right? Um, so what... When you say coding, right, mm-hmm. what, what does that mean um, to, like, you know, like the lay person? Like, when you say, like, I'm doing a coding, like, does that mean you're writing up an app? Are you writing up a, a, a computer program? Like, mm-hmm. what does that look like? So, yeah, coding is, like, a broad range of things. Mm-hmm. But to break it down to, like, layman terms is, like, we in coding, we have front end and we have back end. Okay. Back end is when you're doing like the database stuff, you know, who, if we had a database, it'd be like, who's John Mayer Bunch? Oh, he's this and this age, you know, he's studying law, you know, from Red Bank, you know, that, that database holds information on you and me. Now a back end engineer would be like, they would pull the data, they would manipulate it, and then they would actually pass it off to the front end developer mm-hmm. who displays it. You know, like when you go on Instagram and you look at your Instagram feed, a front-end engineer built that. Okay. The data behind it that's pulling the timeline, the pictures, the photos, allowing you to post, that's a back-end. So, like, coding can be as simple as building a website or building something that prints one, two, three. So, it's just you're a developer. Like, you just develop stuff. Um, okay. All right. So, in a sense, in the simplest sense of it, if you're a coder, you can kind of switch that out and say you're a developer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're Pretty much developer. developer, right? So, mm-hmm. what you guys did is take that coding um, and that talent to kind of create um, websites, create apps, um, and then you guys created your own app, right? Right. Um, and that's the Mixer app. Mm-hmm. And what that does is allow um, what people to play songs off. So it's like, um, let's say I'm a DJ, right? Uh-huh. And then you're my client. So then we say, you want to throw a party next Saturday. Uh-huh. So then we get on Mixer, the DJ would pay uh, us, and then they would have you as a host collaborate with them. So you would adjust the timeline, like, hey, play this song at this time, play this song at that time, you know, just giving them notes. Like, this is who I want you to introduce. This is who the first dance is going to be with, this, this, and that. So that's how we allow hosts and DJs to collaborate. Or it could be wedding planners, MCs, or anything like that. Okay. But then we also let the DJ or the, you know, we call, let's put, call them event professional. We allow them, if they have a team, they are allowed to hire, fire, and staff people on parties. Right. So we, 
right from the app and then they would get a notification like hey you've been stacked to this to bunches party next saturday it starts at this time this is the location this is what you need to bring and then the the uh the staff member can accept or decline you know that you know either i can work saturday or i can't yeah and then we and then we also allow guests they can scan the qr code or open the link and then you know right now it takes them to the app store and they got to download but then they can start they can't play music but they can request and then other guests can vote on the music so like the dj would look at mixer and see yo um this song by young thug has 50 votes i think i gotta play that mm. and the, so the song see. request stuff can happen like way before the event you know and it can also happen during like live like you can have the app up and you can see requests coming in and votes you know highest votes go to the top so we bring that aspect to the events too so like so folks so pretty much you guys created it to uh to serve that need that like when people go to a wedding or birthday party or whatever with a dj they want to request <laughs> you know but everybody don't want to go up to the dj exactly. so you can just do it right from the app right exactly. now um i think that's dope right because y'all create an app so now it's like now let's say a person at home wanted to create an app <clears throat> do you think they got to go to four years of school to learn how to do that uh do you think you know it's some type of you know youtube courses they could watch and stuff and learn like how hard um do you think it would be for a normal person to say okay like i see them creating apps i want to create an app or do you think it's something you could teach the people or like like what do you think about um you know the difficulty or the practicality of a of somebody doing it from home i would say it's very very possible and practical that no matter what your background is you can learn to code coding is a superpower pretty much and um it can be learned so like you said if you want to go the free route you can go on youtube you know um you you definitely won't know what to look for at first but you can reach out or you can just Google, you know, how, how can I develop an app? And, you know, you'll find the resources, but you can definitely reach out to me. You know, I'm, I'm sure a bunch of you will let them know what my app name or email is, whatever they need. And then they can ask me questions, but you can always learn. So if you want to go the free route, you can go on YouTube, you know, but if you want to go the route where it's like a detailed explanation from beginning to end, and you don't want to break your pockets, you go on this website called udemy.com. Udemy? Udemy, you know, U-D-E-M-Y. That's how I learned React, the language by Facebook. Um, you go to Udemy and you type in what you, so you first want to do research or you reach out to somebody that at least knows something. Uh -huh. But the research will definitely find you what you need to know. And then you go to Udemy and you like, hey, I want to learn this. And it'd be like, a 40 hour 50 hour course you know that you paying i got the course when it was on sale 10 bucks bro 10 bucks 10 bucks and wow. what i built in a month is so crazy you know and uh, you know i can't wait for it to be live and show everybody but it's like so ten dollars exponential on that ten dollars ten dollars like two weeks of watching the video and it's all interactive uh -huh. and, you know like they're talking you through they're showing you they're giving you resources so it's like how to build apps yes bro 
on Udemy. <laughs> Udemy.com. U-D-E-M-Y.com. Yeah, this is a free ad for them. You caught it. You caught it on sale. So how much you think it would be now? I looked. Well, so the course I took was for building web apps. Uh-huh. So that that one was uh, fourteen dollars. Um, oh, it's a but I looked. Courses up there. So many different courses, and oh, you can wow. if you if you put in the language you want to learn because coding is just different languages. Uh-huh. Like the language that's used to build websites is not used to build uh, mobile apps or used to build uh, desktop apps. You know, everything has a different language. Some of them cross over, but it's like, if there's something specific you want to do, um, you can find it on Udemy and then get a detailed. And, yo, know, some of them I've seen, it's like the max is $100, but it's like, yo, what you can get off that 100 is crazy. It's crazy, like the, the value. So it's like, is that kind of how you created the Mixer app? I kind of um, tell us how you created the Mixer app. So Mixer, actually, my two other co-founders, they were in the industry. And they were like, there has to be something that makes this easier for us to get clients and also collaborate with clients, you know, and then add in some, sprinkle some jazz on that. But they were, like, one of them is like 30, the other one's like 25. But they actually came back to school. One was a business major, one was an electrician. They yeah. said they want to come back to school and learn this stuff. So they didn't go to Udemy course, but it's people from so many different walks of life that ended up in coding. Like my manager at my nine to five, he used to be a history teacher and worked at a bakery, bro. And now he's one of the best developers that I ever, like. He started doing this in his free time. (laughs) Yeah, he taught himself like after work or after he would teach students, he would just learn this, but it's like, you can learn it. I know people, they think about coding, they think about developing, and it's like, there's no way I can do that. I'm not Mark Zuckerberg. But when you get into it, you realize you don't got to be, you know, Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg. You can do it because he's a human, bro. And he's mass smart, but at the end of the day, he's a human. You know what I'm saying? And he's right. able to do it. <laughs> and so, we humans too. So it's like anything he can do. We the right? same. Yeah. So it's like, all right. So you know so really what would you what would you kind of say to like somebody who would be looking to get into um you know coding or developing i know you say like go check out udemy.com um or some things like what's what kind of spaces or you know any type of um you know communities or whatever that they could kind of tap into to kind of learn more about it because you know especially like people you know in our communities where we from like coding you don't really hear people talking about coding nobody like yo let's code today you feel me so it's like how where would you like direct them to kind of go looking for more type of you know stuff on this on this yeah so it's like I'm not even part of nothing like that. And, you know, it'd be awesome to be part of something like that where you just drop questions and everybody collaborate. I'm not even on nothing like that. That might be a little idea to create something like that. That would be dope. Yeah, you know, for, for, for the minorities because we're so underrepresented in this field, bro. But it's like, and I know it's just, it's because it's foreign to us. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, one out of every five of us is not an engineer, so you we really not gonna be talking about software engineering. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. But we can make it a norm, you know, where people 
you ask a little kid what he want to be, he can tell you he want to be a, a developer, you know, that'd be a dope. So it's like, even if we just start from the people here, you know, and we just make it like a, a, a group chat or something, yeah. right? And people ask me questions. We can just start from there. And if it blow up to something, it blow up. But if it, would, if, if it could just be like, yo, I got this dope idea. How would I go about building it? Uh-huh. I'd be down to just, um, you know, Help. chat with you, pick your brain on the idea and not really direct you, but like point you like, yo, this is probably the language you would need to learn to yeah. accomplish that, you know. Facts. Facts. I think I think that is dope. Um, and I think that's big because I think what you said, you know, um, it's not a lot of us in this field. You know, I don't know a lot of developers, but that's why, you know, I kind of wanted to bring you on a show to get to get your story and kind of, you know, like kind of get it out. Like, yo, it is just black developers. We exist, yo. Yeah. Um, like we here, we making shit um, and, and making dope shit. So, um, all right, man, it was. It was a good talking to you. Um, you know, before we kind of go out, um, what's kind of one of the things you feel like who you think is the most um, influential person in your life that you learned from and, and, and why? Uh, I'd probably say my mother. You know, she, she to this day, she worked two jobs. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes, sometimes she'll leave uh not sometimes most most days she'll leave the crib at um 2 30 and she won't come back till 7 a.m or 8 a.m the next day you know working her two shifts at a as a as a nurse um but she just you know she really be putting the team on her back on some lebron james junk you know what i'm saying <laughs> yo I, I feel like yo moms is is really undefeated man i, yeah. I don't really know uh, a stronger a stronger life force than the moms though it's, it's really od watching her day in and day out that's why it's like if i i just i just can't be lazy you know watching her you know what i'm saying so that's probably my biggest inspiration uh, without a doubt. <laughs> I agree, right? Like, how could you ever, right? When your mom still got to go to work, right? Yeah. That's, doubt, that's my, my, my only thing. Like, when people is like, yo, your work ethic is crazy. You do nights, you do daytime, all the shit. And I'm like, my mom is still going to work, bro. Like, until, until that's not the case, like, our kid just be chilling. Like, nothing, ever. Um, but all right, man, uh, you got any last little message you want to leave uh, the people with or, you know, kind of what you would like them to take from this um, before we get out of here? Yeah, I would just like your listeners to just think about, I think it's Bruce Lee, he say, uh, be like water, mm. you know, just you could put water in anything, anywhere it's going it's going to fit in, you know, it's, 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 it's going to make itself, <laughs> make it work. <laughs> so it's like, yo, life, life is going to throw you curveballs. You got to just try your best to hit, hit that, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, um, don't, don't complain about nothing that you're not willing to change, you know? So those are just some key things I try to implement daily, you know what I'm saying? Just be like water. You're going to get dealt some cards that, might not seem fair, but you gotta play. <laughs> you gotta play. So, um, and I think that that 
doubt be like water. Uh, Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee is dope, right? Because it it really highlights the fact that you gotta adapt, right? Adaptability. Um, and that's one of the big things, you know, from your story you've seen, right? You adapt, come to America, gotta adapt. Uh, you go to like fucking freshman, you know, you gotta switch your position, adapt there. You go to fucking college, you gotta, you know, switch your position, adapt there. Now you're a fucking developer, adapting, adapting. Um, so I think that is key, man, adapting no matter what it shit is thrown at us. And I think, um, you said something too, yo, don't complain about something you're not willing to change, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that's really a frustrating thing when people like complaining. It's like, oh, I'm so fat. It's like, all right, well, work out. Oh, but I don't want to. Like, what is And they always got a response. You know, like, what do, what you want me to say? <laughs> <laughs> what you want me to say, yo? Like, so I think that what you, what you said is dope, man. Um, and I think it's dope. Um, that you are willing to be here and willing to be a conduit or like a, you know, a resource for these people who aren't in the code and word. So I want to get, what is your at again, just to kind of get these people. My Instagram is just uh, swag by. So that's S W A G B A I. My, my LinkedIn is just ag by Iroha. So that's A G B A I. I R O H A. Um, you hit me on either one of those and I'ma respond, you know. All right, man. Um, I think it's dope, man. I definitely appreciate having you on the show, man. Uh, I love everything that you're doing with your app, um, and working in that space. And I'm definitely gonna be in touch with you pretty soon because um I'm looking to create an app as well. Um, so I definitely look forward to, you know, kind of working with you a little bit on that. Um, but you know, without further ado, um, we're going to get out of here. This has been a great episode with Agby Aroha. Um, he is the developer guy that you want to reach out to. If you (laughs) want to create an app, a website, um, any of that type of stuff, man, Agby Aroha. Is doing it, um, and he's doing it well, man. Thank you for being on, man. Um, Thanks for having me, brother. And then uh, we'll, we'll talk to y'all next week, family. Peace.